When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The gang's almost all here. Edmondson Oilers prospects have reported to rookie camp ahead of the opening of main camp later this week. It features the likes of Evan Bouchard, the Oilers' first-round draft pick this past June, as well as other hopefuls who have an opportunity to make an impact and get a longer look as the team readies for the season. Tyler Benson, the Oilers' second-round pick two years ago, is playing in his first preseason games after missing action the past couple of Septembers because of various ailments. And can Kyler Yamamoto, the team's top pick in 2017, who stuck with the NHL squad as the regular season began before being sent back to junior, earn a spot again this year? I'm Derek Van Deest. I'm Rob Tuchkowski. And I'm Craig Ellingson. I talked to these two Edmonton Journal and Edmonton Sun hockey writers about the opening of camp and what we'll be looking to see from players as they report and train for the upcoming 2018-2019 NHL campaign. Can Connor McDavid take his offensive game up a notch? How will new backup goalie Miko Koskinen look? And what if Darnell Nurse misses the start of camp because he doesn't have a contract? This is the Oil Spills Podcast for Tuesday, September 11th, 2018. Welcome back, everybody. School is now in. And Rob Tuchkowski, you're late. Yeah. Whose fault is that? Oh, wait. It was my fault. I scheduled it like that. First day back. First day back today. So you can't really tell us anything about the rookies, can you? How, do, how does Evan Bouchard look out there? He looks reasonably tall. That's, uh, okay. that's what I could gather. And yeah, Yamamoto is still... Reasonably short. So between okay. the two of them, they okay. stood out for, for that. Yeah, it's... First day back is always a little weird, especially when you're coming in cold like that after a long summer, but, you know, here we go. I don't expect you to tune into Oilers TV to watch the rookie game or anything on yeah. a day off. <laughs> no. You know, no. Apparently, Tyler Benson, that was his first game in action in an Oilers jersey. Was yeah. uh, yesterday in Calgary. Yeah, it was actually a semi-historical. And, and from uh, talking to everybody, he, he looked very solid out there. He took a, a stick in the mouth, lost a couple of teeth up front, but... Uh, other than that, it was a very solid debut compared to everything that else has gone wrong for him uh, over the course of his career. A couple of teeth is uh, is a pretty fine trade by him. Well, you know, and, and that has been the line with Tyler Benson is you know he's always dealing he's been dealing with you know a number of different injuries and conditions ever since the even before mm-hmm. the Oilers drafted him, um, and he's one of those players that 
you know, he was a second round pick in 2016, and he's a player that the Oilers would like to see blossom. And uh, I guess we're, we're going to see that here over these next three weeks. Yeah, he's one of those guys that they said if he ever stays healthy, he'll be a good player. But he's just never been able to stay healthy. So, and everybody, you, you kind of flinch just hoping that that something doesn't happen. Uh, I'm sure he's feeling the same way. Although, actually, he said the injury stuff is behind him. You know, he's not even thinking about it anymore, which is the mindset you're supposed to have. But you know, he was he's a high pick. If he hadn't been injured, he'd have been even higher than 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 where the Oilers did get him. So, you know, if if the health stuff works itself out and he's just a hockey player from here on in I think they they could have a a decent one in the future yeah his his issues have always been injuries I think he had that sports hernia injury and then problems with the hips and then there was an issue with when you're injured all summer and you're rehabbing all summer you can't have a good training summer and I think last year was his first Mm -hmm. summer where he kind of was able to train and I saw him play with the the Giants last year a couple times when he came to town um, and he didn't look as fast as he did before, so I, I just wonder if maybe he got that he got mm-hmm. that out of system, and now he's got his skating back. Because I thought he had really good hands, um, obviously great vision, good shot. Um, I just he didn't stand out as a skater to me at, at the junior level, and I've always contended that to be an NHL player, you have to be a standout skater at the junior level. You can't be an average skater at the junior level because then you'll be a below average skater at the NHL level. And he didn't stand out. His skating didn't stand out to me last year, but I think. A lot of that had to do because he had the hip and yeah. the hernia and the leg problems. So, it, from all from all accounts, he did look good last night um, or yesterday afternoon. And uh, I think yeah, the owners are counting on him to now that he's healthy and and ready to go. And, and uh, I think he's a guy that they're they're kind of hoping can get in there and maybe not this year, uh, maybe in the future, go in there and take one of those top top six spots. Yeah, and that was that weird injury that he had. Like anything in that sort of you know lower lower core like as soon as something goes then you know you get the you get the sports hernia then you you know you're favoring it so your hip goes and then you're preparing your hip you're favoring your hip so something else goes he just needed a stretch where you know everything was was firing you know was firing on all cylinders for a while to for everything to get stronger and healthy again and hopefully that's where he's at you know it's just like this every year rookies report before the main camp opens what is the hope that uh what do, what do the owners hope and any NHL team hope to find when they when they watch these rookies? Are they hoping that one of these players or two of these players could legitimately step into an NHL role? I mean, Yamamoto did that last year right off the hop as a first rounder. Yeah, yeah. I think that at this like this exact stage of rookie camp, I think they're just looking at a player and hoping that he isn't bad because you can't you can't really tell anything. You're playing against a bunch of you know. 18 and 19 year olds are going to be playing Nate and Grant McEwen tomorrow. You, you, what are you going to get from that, right? You, you want to see how he's going to look when he goes on the ice against Drew Doughty, not against somebody from Nate. So you want to see, you know, is he healthy? Is he skating well? Is he moving well? Is he in shape? Does he have a good attitude? And he is, is he a little bit above the players that he's playing with right now? I mean, very early on in a rookie camp playing against rookies, you've got to be very, very careful not to judge too much because a lot of players can look good in that theater but what you really want to see is what he looks like against a national hockey league player so it's very early on you know you're just you're getting your legs under you you're you're showing the coaches that you you know how hard you've worked over the summer they're looking at those numbers and your 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 body composition and and you go from there and it's just a progression at the early stages of main camp even you know you got to be careful not to judge too much compared to the late stages of main camp and the same early stages of the season compared to 15 20 games in the season is, is a is a big jump as well so you know it's it's a very slow process and you know i've learned from experience don't get excited by anything you see 
right now or early in camp or late in camp even. It's just it's a marathon, really. Yeah, and I think it's important. These rookies evaluation, they're going to get three games this year. I think they canceled the rookie tournament, so I think that's what they added mm-hmm. the third game. Um, and they just want to see what rookies they want to invite to main camp. And then at main camp, I think they'll, you'll get a better read of, of what they're doing against NHL players, as Rob said. So I think right now the rookies, they're giving them an opportunity to kind of work their way to an invite to main camp because that's main camp is where you're going to get a better understanding of how they fit into your structure as far as the NHL level goes. I think it really matters what you do in the rookie game and the Nate rookie game. You're right. They're playing against Nate and Grant McEwen rookies. I think they maybe underestimated him a little last year. They actually lost yeah. that game last year. So um, so I think this year they're probably going to take that game a bit more seriously. Um, I think that the interesting thing about that is that the, the rookie game in Calgary was $5 to get in. The rookie game they tend tomorrow is 30 bucks to get in or something like that. So, so I think there was a little bit of contention in that yeah. regard. But that does, that, that does act as a fundraiser towards those schools. So I think, uh, you know, I think they were hoping to attract a lot of alumni from Nate and, and Grant McEwen to try mm-hmm. and, uh, try and, um, and, 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 and be a fundraiser because it used to be a fundraiser when they played at the University of Alberta. So I, I don't think I put that all on the Oilers. I think some of it has to do with Nate and Grant McEwen, uh, how much money they were hoping to kind of make out of this. But... Yeah, you're going to get a good look at rookies, but you're right. Don't get excited about anything the rookie does in a rookie game because they're going to be playing against NHL players uh, next week. Yeah. 30 bucks to see. <laughs> I don't know, man. Yeah, I was thinking about the U of A. The last time I went to a U of A rookie game, well, the orders were U of A games. They weren't $30. No, that, no I, don't, I forget what they were. They weren't. And it was a great atmosphere. You were in mm-hmm. the little barn. It was sold out. It was, a, it, was a, it was actually a game that you looked forward to seeing. Yeah. And now, you know, in a half-empty rink against, you know, Nate and... Grant Mack, you know, where I went, nothing against Grant Mack, but it's it was a better game when they were playing the Bears, for sure. Does it matter who they play? Like, this is just like, even a U of A versus this Nate McEwen team, does it matter at this level if they're playing in front of 3,500 people in Rogers Place, so relatively empty, or in a bandbox like the Claire Drake? I think you could tell from that U of A game, you could tell a little bit, because it got, the Bears were a solid, mature team. You know, you know, guys were in their 20s on that team, and they'd been around the, the league for a while. They were elite players. The Bears are one of the best programs in the country, and you were in a little band box, and you were on the road because everybody was cheering for the Bears. Uh, it it kind of revealed a lot of character. I, I, saw, I went to those games, and they were hard fought. That wasn't just a, you know, a preseason game. That was a, Those were really good battles, entertaining battles that... You know, you probably, I, I would guess you would learn a little bit more from that than you will from this one, but it is what it is. Yeah, I think that game, the Bears, a lot of those guys had, they wanted to prove that, you know, they, right. they were all Western Hockey League players, and a lot of them were undrafted. A lot of them, uh, you're right, they're older. You, you're playing against players that are 20, you know, from 20 to 25, uh, and a lot of the rookies are 18, 19, so they were a little older, but there was a lot of intensity in that game because the Bears were playing for real. They didn't take yeah. this as an exhibition. They were they wanted to go out there and prove that they were just as good as the as the professionals were. And, and I think this one here is is more of an exhibition game. You got half McEwen, half Nate. Those guys don't really know each other. They don't really have systems together. They just kind of yeah. come together. It's more of an all star game type thing. So I don't know how much it, you reveal from that, and I don't know how intense it gets because like, I I, you know, I know the kids from Nate and Graham McEwen will be playing hard. They'll be excited to play against. Um, the, the Oilers rookies, but I think there's a certain level of respect there. They're not. I don't. I don't mm-hmm. see a neat guy running an Oilers rookie through the boards. Um, uh, whereas I don't think the Bears cared. Yeah. And to be honest with you, because there are some 
pretty heated exchanges, I remember, with the U of A Bears and, and uh, Oilers rookie game. To be fair to the Nate Ooks and the McEwen Griffins, though, I mean, they obviously have some players who played at a high level, some dub grads as well. Um, I mean, we don't get to watch, you know, the U of A play Nate or Grant McEwen mm-hmm. in a regular season game ever because they're in different leagues. Yeah. But and I'm taking this away from the Oilers now. We're talking about Edmonton College teams. There's that's still good hockey. I mean, Nate and McEwen have been trading the the championship in the Alberta College Athletic Association yeah, for no, a long it, time. It's still very good hockey. I think the difference is that you're getting uh, Nate and Grant McEwen have two-year programs, and most of their, their programs are uh, they have a few four-year programs now at those schools. But most of those kids are only there for a couple of years. Uh, I know I did a story on Nate last year or Grant McEwen last year, and they're getting more kids that are play four, five, four years. Uh, but the difference is that at U of A, you, you have five-year guys, and you have guys that have been there for, for – they're just a bit more mature, I think, at, at the university than they are at Grand McEwen and a just because they just don't have them for as long because most of those, a lot of those guys are there for two years and, and they're, when they're out. Yeah, and the Bears are in their blood. And you, you've been with the program for five years and you've gone to the national championships. You know, you bleed those colors, and not that McEwen and Nate, you know, don't care about their own programs, but I just think that's – the you know the intensity and uh, and the you know once a bear always a bear kind of rings a lot uh, truer for that level of hockey certainly. You know, and I I like to think that since McEwen does have the university designation now, that eventually, a la Mount Royal in Calgary, which used to be a college, now mm-hmm. is a full fledged university, that we will see some Bears versus Griffins action at some point in time. Well, I think I think. Because they'll yeah. have, you know, they're, they're in four-year programs yeah. at McEwen, too. Yeah, but I think the idea of, like, a, having a little minor, you know, college tournament like they do in, in, in Boston with the Beanpot, mm-hmm. uh, they have the universities there that kind of play each other, and then they play the final at the, you know, at the, the, the big rink, basically, there, which is huge. It's huge in, in Boston. So some maybe so they can develop something like that. Uh, but I think they do have to wait till till maybe, well, you know, I don't know how long that'll be. But, yeah, McEwen is a university now, but I still think that, the top top hockey players are going to U of A as opposed mm-hmm. to McEwen right now. Yeah, and they're not, they're not going to Lethbridge, are they? <laughs> no, Lethbridge or Calgary <laughs> <laughs> or Regina or well, I don't know. Maybe you just go NCAA. Okay, let's talk, let's talk. Let's quit talking about university hockey now. I mean, this year is the first time. You know, the first year for the Penticton tournament was 2010. So you know, this is the first time. You know, in the lockout year in 2012, they didn't go to Penticton. But uh, what's the advantage? Was there any advantage in doing that besides you guys eating lots of peaches because they're in yeah. season right now when you <laughs> went down to, to cover the rookie tournament? Is there an advantage to having a tournament like that for the rookies? Uh, I don't know. I mean, it was a fun trip. I, yeah, I like going down there more at the start than towards the end. But, uh, you know, I don't get to go to Burger 55 anymore, which is the, <laughs> literally the best hamburgers in, in Canada. Uh, you know, it was... You, the games were more intense. You were uh, you were against your peers. I think you got a, a you know it was a it was a more professional atmosphere. Uh, I I I think that the teams there just stepped it up a little bit. I'm surprised the others didn't go. But I, with going to Europe and all the other stuff that's going on, I think they want to just tighten things up a little bit. But I I think there was. I think it was a decent tournament. Most a lot of teams in the league are in these things for a reason because you get a. You know, you can't tell me that the Oilers are getting a better idea of who they have on their team by playing, you know, Calgary twice and Nate once, right, as opposed to Calgary, Vancouver, Winnipeg, and doing a tournament and, and then in and out in a flash. I mean, it was it was a good atmosphere, and, it, you know, it's, it's, it's better for them than I think what they're doing now, definitely. Yeah, I think it's about getting a better read of what you guys are doing against peers, um, guys that 
are trying to make other teams as well and are trying to impress other teams as well. And, and I think that's it, w- it came to that. You could kind of see where, where your guys were as opposed to in other organizations where their development was. And I think that's what it did really well. And then also the, the younger guys stood out again when they're playing against mm-hmm. their peers. And, and you could tell which younger guys stood out. And uh, the older rookie Nate game, um, you never know what you're going to get in that game. Like every every young lawyer could stand out in that game, right. and, and you're going to go well. You know, they're playing Nate and Grand McEwen. Like I said last year, they they lost that game. So, but it'll be interesting. Uh, I think to see what you really get out of that game, and how much you kind of let's say someone stands out and scores three goals. Do you really do you really go okay? Oh, this guy, you know, is right. a really good player, or maybe it was just you know he was playing in a, at a level that is probably a little. Yeah. Oh, everything him. everything's taken with a grain of salt as yeah. opposed to and you get an idea of where your your prospects are in relation to Calgary's prospects and Vancouver's prospects and Winnipeg's prospects because you're playing them head to head and you're seeing how they look against each other it's uh it was a it was a great it was a great environment i'm uh you know i'm surprised they don't do it yeah do do i i don't recall if we ever found out the reason why they're not having the tournament i i think it was just the fact they've got so much going on this summer that you know you're you're packing up and heading to Europe, so I think you just want to you're stretching everybody thin from from training staff to everything. And this is a year where it's imperative that they get off to a good start. So I think they're just circling the wagons a little bit and focusing mostly on the main guys, the main camp, the Oilers starting the season and, and taking off to Penticton for a week. Uh, they view it as as not being essentially necessary right now. Yeah, and I think the focus is on this year as opposed to. We've talked about this before, how it's important that the Oilers make the playoffs this year or make a good run uh, towards the playoffs. Uh, I think uh, there's a lot of jobs on the line. If the Oilers have another year like they did next year, I I can see them being wholesale changes at that organization. Um, So I think the focus right now is is they're not going to focus as much on on the rookie camp. They're going to worry more about the main camp. And and they're going to give some kids an opportunity at main camp. But I think right now the focus is on getting the team ready, going to Europe, getting off to a good start because you look at that that schedule you're playing four road games right to kick off you're in Europe and then you come back and you play you know, Boston New York and Winnipeg doesn't so some pretty good yeah. two pretty good teams last thing they want to do is come home 0 and 4 yeah for that home opener yeah, so definitely. I think uh, there's a lot of pressure on this on this hockey team to get off to a good start and I think they'll have the, everything picked and shored up early this year I don't think they'll be waiting till the last you know couple of preseason game well certainly not the last preseason game because they're not sending a cut home from Sweden but uh, I think they'll have their team finalized a lot earlier than they have in the past because they they've got to get they've got to hit the ground running. They can't. Uh, they want to be a cohesive unit where you're working on your systems already, as opposed to evaluating players. So, a lot of these situations where you know is it this guy or this guy, those decisions will be made probably a game or two earlier this season, I think, than in the past. I've always thought in the past the Oilers spent too much time worrying about who their uh, fourth line left winger was going to be or fourth line right winger, and mm-hmm. evaluating and, and not doing enough system stuff and not having their team play a couple of exhibition games at full speed at full speed and, and getting up to that and I think that's really important um, you know exhibition you have to, it is for evaluating it is for trying out it is for looking but it also also is for, for getting everything set and ready to go and, and having the guys kind of revved up by the time they hit the ice for game one they're ready to go You're not, there's no surprises and, mm-hmm. I, and, I, and I agree with Rob I think this year they're going to cut down their numbers a little, uh, a little sooner they're going to get their team ready a, a little sooner and they're not going to worry about who their fourth line left winger is going to be or the fourth yeah. line right winger they're not going to evaluate in that sense they have their team picked they know who they, who's going to be on the team there's maybe one or two open spots but I think for the most part they're going to focus on 
team building and in structures and, and make sure everyone's ready to go by the time the puck drops. By and large, this isn't a team that reverses its flow very often. When they start out well, like they did two years ago, they they stay they stay as a as a pretty good team. And when they start out crappy, you know, they they kind of stay that way. So I think it's getting off to the good start is just is imperative. So main camp is opening later this week. Um, who are you looking forward to seeing uh, off the hop? Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously we have new new additions. We want to see if players are you know mm-hmm. how they look yeah. coming off the end of their past season, good, bad, or otherwise. It obviously, kind of you know at both ends of the spectrum, the main dogs you want to see Milan Lucic you know be be faster and leaner and handling the puck a lot better. Lost a lot of times last year looked like he was playing with a tennis ball. You know, you want to see that his hands are a little sharper, that he's that he's a little quicker, and that. Uh, that he gets the finishes that maybe he was being robbed of last year. He had a lot of goal posts, and his shooting percentage was way lower than it had ever been in his career. So if if you know if he's faster and leaner, and those numbers even themselves out, I think he can still be a good player. Leon Draisaitl is another one too. He's you know he's an eight and a half million dollar player. He should be one of the most dominant players in the National Hockey League, and he wasn't last year, even though his numbers were kind of on par when when he had the the good year two years ago. I think it's time for him to stay up, take a step in the direction where he's being included in that sentence. Is one of the you know top five or six players in the entire league. He's got the size. He's got the strength. He's got McDavid to either play with or to take away some of the, uh, the opponents he'll be on the ice against. And then at the lower end, you know, is Evan Bouchard? What what are they going to do with him? Are they going to push him? Maybe Justin Schultz him, or are they going to you know give him another year in junior and 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 take their time with him and and Yamamoto too to a lesser extent. Uh, see what he's all about as well. The thing with Evan Bouchard, I think I'm looking forward to see what Evan Bouchard does at this level in exhibition games. And he's too good for junior. He may not be good enough for the NHL, but he's not allowed to play in the American Hockey League. Right. And then that's the the dilemma and the debate that a lot of the NHL teams and the junior teams kind of discuss. If he's if he's he's still junior age, so he has to go back to junior. But we saw last year how dominant he was in junior. He's not going to get any better. He's going to be as dominant. If anything, he's going to develop bad habits. And I think that's. That's the issue right now when you're when you're way too good for junior hockey, but just not good enough to get to the NHL level. And and I could see the Oilers really weighing this. If if he can handle himself, if he can handle his own, and you can you can spot him in and out of the lineup, maybe they'll keep him. Uh, if he's in way over his head, they'll obviously send him back to juniors. And so I'm really interested to see how he kind of handles himself and and where he kind of fits in, in in this situation because. Like I said, there is no in between for him. It's all or nothing. It's it's either NHL or junior, and and we know what he did in junior last year. He's a dominant player. He's going to be even more dominant this year. Um, but that if if he's close enough to the to the Oilers, I think the Oilers do keep him around, even if it's just to put him in every now and then. Right. Because you're practicing with NHLers, you're you're being part of the NHL. Um, he's like I said, he's you're not going to get any better. At, He's not going to get any better as a junior player than he already is. And yeah. I think that's one of the things that I'm interested in seeing is how long, how big that gap is for Evan Bouchard, whether he can step in right now or whether they feel that, no, he's going to have to go back to juniors because he's not close enough to yeah. be an NHL player. If he does make the team, it should be, like you said, as a 6-7 defenseman, yeah. like playing 14 minutes a night, no pressure. Just don't do what you did with Justin Schultz and say, you know, you're a number one shutdown guy, yeah. <laughs> what he never was and still isn't now, but is a very he's a guy that they would love to have back. Forgot to mention, like, who are you looking for? Like, by the way, Connor McDavid, right? This is a guy you forget. This is only his going to be his third year in the league. Like, is if he, you know, is he going to? Oh, I was going to say he's in fourth league. Fourth? fourth year? No, 
Sorry, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Forget the injury uh, injury short in the first <laughs> yeah, season. Sure. Right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But you know, is, is he going to be a 130 point guy now? Is he? Is he? You know, he still hasn't theoretically hit his prime yet. So how scary is that going to be when he uh, is? at his best and that still might be a couple of years away so that's something I'm very interested in seeing I'm also interested in seeing this backup goalie two and a half million dollar backup goalie yeah, two and a half million he's got um, he's got to impress like if he comes in and, and is overwhelmed in the first few exhibition games and he doesn't look good Oof. this is going to look so bad on the Oilers and, and Peter Shirley and just spending money on a guy that they really haven't seen uh, he's never played here uh, when they were other NHL backups available at the time, probably yeah. for less money. I think that they're asking this guy to come in and challenge uh, Cam Talbot, and I think that's probably what they gave him money. They were convinced that he could come in and, and challenge Cam Talbot, uh, but now he's going to have to do it, and now he's going to have to do it against NHL shooters, something he hasn't seen in a smaller rink, something he hasn't seen. Sometimes that's hard on goaltenders because your angles are way different in a mm-hmm. smaller rink than they are in a bigger rink. So I think it's going to be interesting to see how he adjusts to that. Uh, puck comes out of the corner a lot quicker than it does in international hockey. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything's everything's closer. The circles are closer. The hash marks are closer. The blue line is like everything seems closer. And I think that's going to be interesting to see how he kind of plays out. And I expect him. Talbot will get a lot of the, the playing time. And I, I just I'm interested to see how uh, their backup really handles it. And the value of it, if Talbot returns to form and he is as good as he was a couple of years ago. You know, do you really even need to have spent that much money on a goalie who is only going to play, you know, fourteen, fifteen games a season? So interesting. It's one of those moves that you know they don't have a lot of money to throw around. Ask Darnell Nurse, and and, and they spend it on a on a backup. So well, you know, he, he better be good. Is is basically what everybody's saying. He better be worth two and a half mil. Yeah. That's another issue too. Is they got four, three days to sign Darnell Nurse because he said he wasn't coming to camp without a contract. Yeah. So interesting to see what what happens on that front. I know I was going to bring him up a little later after we talked about these guys, but yeah, it's. I think we've mentioned Darnell Nurse's name more in the podcast than Connor McDavid's just because mm-hmm. we've been waiting all summer long to see if a deal gets done, and here we are. Mm-hmm. I mean, what is the danger if? Is there any danger if Nurse, you know, that he's not at camp to start the year, to start the training camp? Well, I think there is. I think every player wants to be at training camp because then you're playing catch up, and you don't want to play catch up. Mm-hmm. At the same time, you don't want to go to training camp and, and, and risk an injury when you're not under contract so I think there's pressure on both sides here pressure on, on both the Oilers at, and, and Darnell Nurse's company and, or, or, or team and I'm not sure how far apart they are um, I, I'm pretty sure they're they're discussed. I think the bridge deal is there I think they both have, have agreed that it has to be a bridge deal but two year bridge one year bridge I think maybe that might be the stepping yeah. stone and how much is that bridge year and I think that's kind of maybe been the issue right now yeah, and it's always you know, how many times have you seen it where a guy misses a couple of days of camp and has a contract, and then as soon as things don't go well, there's all that pressure on him. Well, you miss camp, and you and then it's it, it weighs on a player, and he he just doesn't have a good season, even though it's he only missed a couple of days, just the 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 look of it. And I I don't know why this needs to be as as uh, acrimonious as it is. Like just get the thing done. That's uh, you shouldn't you know I you can't tell me they're two million dollars apart. Yeah. It's it's. A relatively small sum of money, and you know, considering what you pay to your backup, and you sign the what's the the check for your agent, uh, Jarabic or, or whatever, like, and then you turn around and a guy who's been there and a guy who you you know theoretically could be a big part of this defense for a lot of years, you're kind of you know not saying it's 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 ugly, but it's just it's uncomfortable, and I you know don't know that it necessarily needed to be that way because this won't be the last contract they negotiate. There there will be a, there will come a time when he'll have more leverage. 
and he'll say, okay, well, remember remember that time you guys put the screws to me? Well, I'm, I'm putting it to you. Yeah. And this is an organization that is headed for a financial crunch in the near future, so when his main deal does come up, uh, you know, maybe the 500 grand that they uh, didn't give him right now could have helped them in the future when uh, they're asking somebody to take maybe a home, hometown discount. You know, going back to the goaltending, you know, with Koskinen making two and a half million, I mean, Anders Nilsson pushed Talbot uh, back in 2016, mm-hmm. or I guess it would be two years ago. Um, and they eventually traded him away. But he's only making a million dollars a year on his contract. And here you have Koskinen at two and a half. I mean, you know, that would be the stopgap, mm-hmm. you know, if you didn't need a guy like Nilsson and he had another option. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Brassois down in the minors to bring up. That's one thing. But how many teams want to swallow two and a half million for a Koskinen? Let's just. Worst case scenario, he doesn't pan out. Then what do you do? You already have Montoya in the minors. Yeah, I guess you could bring him up, right? Yeah, yeah. Maybe Montoya is a guy that's a safety net for them down there. But they must they must have seen something, or they must know something that we don't. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, they must have seen something that they liked, or they were convinced that this is a guy that could be a one A goaltender as opposed right. to maybe a backup. And I think they've always looked to to kind of ease the load on Talbot, but they've never had anyone to kind of do it. They they tried last year and it, it did didn't work out they couldn't do it then they got in a situation well well no we have to play our starter every night mm-hmm. we can't give him a night off so i think they're hoping that this guy can come in and maybe get 20 25 games maybe give talbot that that break and so he's a bit fresher if they get to the playoffs next year um but you got to get to the playoffs i think last year they were thinking about the playoffs before getting there and i think now they realize yeah. that we got to get there before we start talking about how, how tired our goaltender is going into it well some of that's on mcclellan too like you know he was playing talbot when day after his wife had yeah. babies right like give the give the guy some room and then if you're the backup who's who's never playing then and then they throw you in and then you have a bad period and then you don't play again for eight or nine games it's it's hard to get some sort of a rhythm so and I th- i'm sure that's the, that's the plan that's the instruction you're paying two and a half for this guy pay him play him every third game yeah. so he can get a rhythm and he if he has a bad game he can shake it off and and, and get the feel of things and you know that's the way you're going to have it, like a you know a 60, 66, 33 uh, split. I think was what they envisioned. And you're right. I think they see him as being a one A and a guy that if Talbot doesn't have a great year and you know who's up soon for a new contract, this would be the guy that theoretically steps in and, and becomes the Edmonton Oilers' number one goalie. You know next year and beyond. So we'll see. I wanted to go back to Evan Bouchard uh, briefly because I. You know, obviously we spun off in the Darnell Nurse there. Let's say, you know, too good to play junior. Maybe he's not good enough to be in the NHL. What do you do? I mean, that wasn't that the situation the Oilers found themselves a bit with uh, Leon Dreisaitl four years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, they kept him around. Obviously, they kept him past his, uh, his contracts kicking in stage. Uh, and eventually they sent him back to junior. But... I mean, he got traded to a Memorial Cup contender. Yep. Now, the London Knights, uh, Evan Bouchard's current team, aren't a contending team that we know of right now. But would that be the sort of situation the Oilers would want to try to get their player into if he's not good enough for the NHL? Would that be a, a good alternative? Well, I think you have to send him, if you're going to send him back to junior, you have to look at a team that's going to be very good mm-hmm. and, and play high-stakes games and be playing hard every night and, and have something on the line every night. Send him back to a junior team that's not going to contend. They're going to be out of the playoffs, and and there's no intensity in their games. That's mm-hmm. that's tough. That's tough for a young kid, especially when you're, you're 19. It's probably your last year junior. It's it's 
it's it's it's a tough thing to do. So yeah, they always have to weigh all those options. Uh, but you have to find someone to give you that sweetheart deal that they gave Drysdale. Right. Yeah. They weren't sending Drysdale back to was it Prince Albert? Yeah. They weren't going to send him back there. There was not. There was. Not, it wasn't going to happen. And so they said that they basically forced Prince Albert's hand and said, "You have to trade him to to Kelowna. That's the yeah. only team that yeah. you're going to go to, or you can't and, have, and, or you yeah. can't have him." And that was a that was a favor that the Oilers did to to the owner of the Kelowna Rockets, and they knew that they had a good team. And then I think Drysdale was. A, was one of the reasons they probably got to the Memorial Cup final, uh, but yeah, those was. situations are, are are tough to find. Uh, and mm-hmm. you know that's it's you know it's, you have to be willing to have the owner of your junior team do you a favor, like the Prince Albert Raiders did. And I don't yeah. know the Hunters in, in London; they don't care about the Edmonton right. They care about their organization, so they're, they're going to do what's best for them. Yeah, they're practically a pro league or a pro team yeah. down there. Like they run their show the way, and there you go. Tell the hunters what to do. Yeah, yeah it's not gonna. Oh, wow. Well. I mean, you no, know, you can't have him back unless straight up. Yeah, so you can get something for him. Yeah, Maybe. yeah, and then they, they would at least get something for him. And like, there is an upside to it if you yeah. if yeah. you do it that. Like, I, they handled Drysaddle really well. Like, they made a mistake by keeping him, you know, past the past the nine games or whatever. So they realized they made a mistake and said, okay, we're going to send him back, which is a bit of a, you know, kind of a, a awkward thing to have to admit to that we, we you know we made a mistake with this guy. But they sent him back to junior. It served him well. The next camp came and he got cut. You know, he didn't even make the team out of, of out of camp. Had to come back not long after, but you know, they 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 held him back, held him back until he was kicking down the door. And and because of that, you know, he they got a, a very, you know, you saw the improvement in him year to year, and, they, and the result is a very good player. So I'm always you know on the side of erring on the side of caution, like sending him back and taking your time with him. You know, I always say to myself, you know, what would Detroit do? Like back in the day when Detroit was bringing all those players in. They would always like overripen them. They they use the expression that keep them there well past the point where you think the guy should be up here, and then when he is coming up here, it's less overwhelming for him, and he's more mature, and he's more experienced, and he's more confident, and the odds of you getting a better player are much greater. And we've seen the uh, the opposite end of the spectrum with the Oilers. How many guys have they pushed in straight out of the draft that just you know faded away and, and just weren't you know what uh, what they expected of them? Lots. Now, you mentioned Detroit, and I think about who's on the team. Was Thomas Tatar one of those players they over-ripened? I can't remember. Uh-huh. But I bring it up because, and I wanted to bring it up with you guys, the big trade last night, or was it this morning? Yeah, <laughs> it was Early this morning, yeah. late last night, uh, the Canadians deal Max Pacioretty, their captain, to Las Vegas for Tatar, Suzuki, and a draft pick. Um, and we're going to veer away from the orders here to end the podcast. I just want to know your thoughts on the trade, how it went down and all that. Well, I think it's it's a good trade for Las Vegas. I think Tatar came in last year, and they th- I think they thought he was going to be a player that could come in and, and, and make a big impact, but he was a healthy scratch in a lot of mm-hmm. the playoff games last year. So he did not make the impact that the, the Vegas Golden Knights expected him to. I remember Thomas Tatar because I covered the Detroit Red Wings Chicago Blackhawks series about I can't remember what it was about 4 or 5 years ago and he had he was kind of a young guy just coming up and he wasn't one of those guys that they kept down in the minors for a long long time. I think at that time Detroit was was starting to change that philosophy um, by necessity because they just didn't have the veterans to be able to to kind of keep guys uh, in their American Hockey League team. So Tatar was one of the younger guys that had come up through and he looked very good for for a long time in Detroit and then his game kind of tailed off. Uh, and then that's why he was traded to Las Vegas. And his game is kind of it didn't it didn't project the way the the Golden Knights thought he would. He thought he'd come in here and be a be a kind of a dominant offensive guy and and, and still be the Thomas Tatar that we had seen three or four years ago. 
it didn't work out that way. So I don't know how good of a player the Montreal Canadiens are getting. I know how, how good of a player they're giving up. Yeah. And I think that's uh, the issue that they're having in Montreal right now is that you gave up a really, really good player for a guy that may be good or maybe his best days are behind him who was a healthy scratch in the playoffs last year. You never want to be trading for a guy that was a healthy scratch in the playoffs. Yeah. That's when you really – the character is revealed in players. And if they think, well, you're not good enough to play with us when it really, really matters, then – uh, I'm not sure what the reception is in Montreal to trading a, a guy like Pacioretty who says he didn't want to go and then Canadian said he did want to go and no one kind of seems to know what was going on over there. But yeah. I, I don't, not sure that they got the value back in the player to let go. Well, I'm not sure. <laughs> the Canadians, what are they doing? Like he's a, he's a leader. He's a, he's a good player. He said he wanted to be there. And this is the same team that traded away Subban. Like yeah. what are you doing? You trade away Pacioretty and Subban. You wonder why things aren't working out for you. Like that's, that's a tough one. Vegas is getting exactly what they need, the leadership and a guy who's, you know, good in the room, a character guy. That's how they play. You know, he'll he'll fit right in. And and the Canadians, boy, you know, I'm not sure. I'm not sure where they go from here. But I don't see it as a straight up trade. I don't know much about the prospects or anything like that. Maybe they're going into full or their rebuild mode. But that that's a loss and by a long shot, the way I see it. Yeah, the Canadians seem to be spinning their wheels a little bit. They're they're not. Uh uh, you know, no one. They're not rebuilding. They're not loading up. They just yeah. kind of there, and then I think they're they're just waiting for something to happen. And I, you know, honestly, you know, you hear about the mystique of Montreal and, and things like that, and that that doesn't wash anymore. Like you have to go out there and, and mm-hmm. do something. Well, how long has it been since the Canadians have, have, have done anything? They've gone on a long playoff run. I think mm-hmm. uh, they're not a dominant team in the league anymore. They they they, 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 they you know, they, they talk about that mystique. Oh, the Montreal Canadiens, you know, back in the 70s, there was, the owners were dominant in the 80s. Now mm-hmm. we're 30 years beyond that now. Yeah. I, think, I don't think that doesn't matter anymore. You have to start making some good hockey decisions, and they haven't, basically. Yeah, you, look at, you look in that room, and who's, who's, who are the guys, you know, who scream, you know, strength and tradition and, and winning in, in the Montreal Canadiens dressing room, and there's not a whole bunch anymore. Yeah. You know, and whenever a trade goes down, a la, you know, this sort of trade where Pacioretty is – is being exchanged. I know his name was bandied about, obviously in trade rumors and stuff. When it when it came to the Oilers as well, and if, you know, it doesn't matter if you're if, you know you're you're following the Oilers or the Dallas Stars or whoever. You think, oh, what would it have taken mm. for the Oilers to get Max Pacioretty? I mean, the salary cap situation in Vegas is different than it is here yeah. for starters. But you always wonder, oh, I mm-hmm. could have given up so and so in this draft pick and. Because that's, you're right, that is a great trade for Vegas. Mm-hmm. They, they're the winners. Yeah, yeah. definitely. That's our Oil Spills podcast for today. You can listen to our show via iTunes, Google Play, and SoundCloud.